Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Crystal Silence League Hour, live from Divine Harmony Spiritual Church in Knoxville, Tennessee, on the LMC Radio Network, a show dedicated to open-minded discussion of spirituality, new thought, prayer, and the practical use of crystals. And now, your host, the Reverend John St. Germain. Well, 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 bless you, bless you, and bless you. Um, it's the um, 220th episode and um, 220 hours of spiritual programming and uh, various ramblings from the Reverend to you. Today, of course, is February 9th, 2021, and the big news today is the uh, launching of the impeachment trial. And um, all I can tell you is that... <clears throat> Um, I expect more entertainment from my tax dollars. Uh, I'm a uh, true crime documentary um, fan. I, I love them. I love it. And uh, I expect more entertainment from my tax dollars than what I saw today. Um, and all I can say about uh, Donald Trump's lawyers is um, these were two of the worst lawyers I've ever seen in my life. And I watched a lot of uh, Judge Joe Brown while I was recovering from surgery. It's like he had uh, tried to hire J.G. Wentworth, and they were smart enough to send him down to the guy who has the kiosk at the mall next to the one-hour eyeglasses. Uh, These were two of the worst lawyers in the history of law. That's all I can say about that. So I I just can't imagine, oh, things are going to get better after today. This is terrible, absolutely terrible. And... uh, I just saw that apparently he was screaming at the television <laughs> at his lawyers. So I can't. Uh, he probably is not going to pay them. Uh, you know, he's got a history of that. He he doesn't pay uh, people that he's <laughs> he doesn't pay people that he's pleased with. It's less people he's not pleased with. I don't think they're going to collect a paycheck. So anyway, um, what a interesting and terrible time in history we're living through man we got stories to tell our grandchildren and great-grandchildren and etc etc um anyway onward and onward we uh, are the crystal silence league a spiritual group that originally was formed in uh, 1917 or so by mr claude alexander conlin for the purpose of projecting positive prayer and affirmation for all those in need of spiritual comfort and support. And when he passed into the silence around um, um, 1954 or so, he took the league with him and uh, it passed into the silence until not dead, but just asleep until um, 2007 or so when magical adepts of Missionary Independent Spiritual Church brought it back to life cybernetically. And, uh, of course, uh, we are now the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches. And uh, you can find us at www.crystalsilenceleague.org. Our website is currently uh, undergoing modernization and development. So occasionally you may go there and 
find it a little glitchy, but that's because we're updating it. So bear with us. And uh, we get prayers posted there, as many as uh, uh, 100 to 200 a week, sometimes from the same person. So, you know, bear with us. Um, Your prayers are always answered, or at least we pray for you. We can't answer your prayers. That's up to the the higher powers, but we will pray for you. Our pastors print out your prayers. We Some of us print out 10 of them at a time, and we put them on a dedicated altar and pray for them. You can actually see pictures of that. Um, we have uh, sometimes in the slideshow I put it, there's a picture of an altar with folded prayers under them. That's where we print them out and uh, put them under our, our altar. Um, so that's really all the news I have for you. Um, we could um, move um, to that very thing. So let me wet my whistle and um, let our announcer uh, take over for just a moment. The time approaches for our weekly prayer service. If you are so inclined, join us at crystalsilenceleague.org to see this week's prayer request. Oh, yes, we have plenty of prayers here. Of course, on uh, Crystal Silence League, where we use anonymity, we respect your privacy, and we respect anonymity, and I only call out prayer ID numbers, not names. And I try not to. Sometimes I slip. So let's start with prayer ID 102264, who says, Prayer for my relationship with C to keep growing into marriage and a happy ending. Amen. And prayer ID 102263, who says, Praying for money owed to me and promised to me. Amen. She wants her money. Prayer ID 102262. This is DD again. Thank you to all those that continue to pray for me. I need you to keep praying for me while I fight for change in my community. Corrupt leadership tore my family apart. But I will not walk away wounded. I was put in this position to end this cycle of abuse. Your prayer sees me through. Thank you again so much. Please continue to pray for me. I'm making good progress. Amen. And prayer ID 102261, who's praying for her husband. And... um, says, thank you for all your prayers. My husband is the best man I've ever known. He helped take care of his parents until they passed, and he takes such good care of me. It seems someone is always wanting something from him. He never asks for help anymore as no one ever returns the help he gives them. His health is starting to decline, but he feels that there is too much other stuff that must come first. He's in pain from his teeth and no money to fix. Prayers, please. Amen. And prayer ID 102260, who says, Thank you, St. Anthony, for your intercession. And please help me properly pay spirits. Love to you, St. Anthony, Espedee, Jude, Michael, Saints Martin de Porres, Francis of Assisi, Son, Venus, Jupiter, and Ancestors. Amen. We have a whole bunch of those from this person. And prayer ID 102254, who says, I, K, S, Ask that the curse put on me last night be removed, please, and thank you. Amen. Prayer ID 102253, 
who says, Lord, you've been with me through thick and thin here. The thick was my doing, a nightmare of my creation, a result of my turning my focus from you and following the monstrosity that is man-made. Help me with focus. I know what it is to concentrate. Another chance, a do-over of the past decade from a low vibe. Prolong for three more years so that I can be fully licensed and be the mom I'm meant to be. With a dream job with only good, calm people surrounding me from the depths of my soul. Amen. And prayer ID 102252, who says, I just had a reading yesterday and was told my neighbors on the side of me, on the back of me, and underneath me are doing witchcraft on me and my child to block my paths. But I have prayed and I have asked God to please help me get through these last three months of my lease. Then I will be away from this mess. Please, I need all the prayers to ask for the support and prayers to block what they are doing and to return all senders involved. In Jesus' name, amen. I've done nothing to no one. Prayer ID 102251, who says, I pray knowing that our strong affinity and friendship and fascination continues to grow and blossom as we lift each other forward. I love knowing that your respect and desire for me grows and grows. I love being sought out and managing the buzz. I love being a power couple. Amen. And um, she has quite a bit of prayers here, and um, she prays for financial abundance. And she prays that um, um, her her neighbor you know, uh, uh, that uh, this company hires her, and uh, we join you in prayer that these come true. Uh, prayer ID one zero two two four nine, who says um, her uh, neighbor's husband um, passed away from addiction yesterday morning. And apparently she has, he, they have two daughters, 11 and 2. So please pray that their lives are blessed and peaceful. Thank you. Amen. And prayer ID 102247, who says, May my finances be increased tremendously. May I be able to retrieve my 1099G to file my taxes on time. May I receive my merit raise. May my salary only increase during the reparation period. May I be able to repatriate to a business unit that values me as a person and accepts my ideas. And may my work showcase all my efforts put into it. May I enjoy my workplace, Ashe. Let's do just a couple more. Prayer ID 102243. May I find this perfect subletter for my studio who stays through the summer, who's respectful to the space and my things and is quiet and studious. I find them soon, and they sign quickly and always pay on time. Amen. And prayer ID 102242. I'm having lots of trouble waking up or getting up every day. It's tough to get up when there's nothing and no one to see. We've been quarantined for 11 or 12 months now. We live on an island. It's like I woke up in a bad science fiction movie. I so miss people and social interaction. I was lonely to meet new people when I moved back here, but this is mind-numbing. I know I'm not the only one feeling like this. I'm 73 and need to move more. God help us all. Thank you. Amen. And here we have um, 
prayer ID 102241 who's praying to heal a broken heart between GCT and HYA. P, wishing for a reunion of our relationship with harmony and love and ease away our anger. And I think we have time for one more. Let me find a... Gosh. Um, Okay. 102239. That I will be healed and freed of all lower and negative energies and may become the bright star that I am meant to be. That I will vibrate at the energy level for my highest good and greatest joy now and always. Amen. Well, let's have a moment of uh, silent prayer for everybody who needs uh, comfort and support and strength. Amen. And now, it's time for our Crystal of the Week. We have an unusual stone, and one you don't hear about uh, all that often. Um, uh, Orpiment, and orpiment is a uh, an orange crystal that you usually find g- growing on uh, other types of stone and um it is a um uh, a very pretty stone and I'm going to tell you that many people mistake it for citrine because citrine grows in a similar formation but you can usually tell the difference because it is uh, I don't know but it's it's uh, spikier and more velvety in texture um the crystals are smaller <coughs> excuse me and uh, um, 
it's also different because uh, citrine is uh, quartz and orpiment is uh, arse, arsenic sulfide, <laughs> so it's a uh, it's different and it also grows in a different area uh, uh, under different conditions, um, and it's uh, uh, photosensitive. If it's in uh, bright sunlight, it will fade. Isn't that funny? Um, and um, uh, citrine won't change color under light. You can do anything. You can do anything with it, but um, orpiment will uh, um, uh, change color. And I'm going to tell you, orpiment should absolutely never be used as an elixir under any circumstances. Don't even do it indirectly. Um, it uh, it's arsenic. <laughs> it has an arsenic sulfate, and even the tiniest amount of it. If you ingest it, um, uh, could be very harmful to you. So um, handle it with care. Um, I actually uh, I do have a piece of it. I have a small piece, and I keep it in a sealed container. I don't want to get it on my hands. It is arsenic, um, and uh, it forms at a low temperature, so it is uh, brittle. And uh, inhaling the dust of it could even be harmful. But it is valuable. Um, because it uh, it truly uh, stimulates uh, your investigative, investigative and intellectual and analytical faculties, and um, it connects the uh, solar plexus chakra, the the fire of the solar plexus chakra, to the intellect of uh, the third eye, uh, and uh really um uh, stimulates the uh, uh analytical and investigative qualities and uh, completely cuts out delusion and wishful thinking if you're trying to penetrate do a penetrative investigation into a situation uh this really helps um but again it's not really one of those crystals you hold in your hand and fondle um and um uh use it it's uh when if you feel it in your hands it's kind of uh, resinous it's got this resinous greasy feeling and um um yeah that's because it's soft and uh velvety in touch uh, that's how you can tell it from citrine citrine is very hard so you you do want to be careful with it um orpiment is a um uh, a good stone, they say, uh, in healing, it can help um, uh, with the tinnitus, you know, the ringing in your ear. And um, uh, I, you know, I don't do medical stuff. I don't diagnose or treat medical conditions, but this is what I'm told with, he with healing. Uh, I do know it does uh, help with um, th that penetrative insight sometimes so it's it's a it's a very interesting crystal it's uh it's worth having as long as you handle it with care absolutely don't let pets and children uh, near it it's arsenic you know arsenic is uh deadly it's deadly um, very bad for you very bad for one it used to be used for rat poison you know before uh what are they use now strychnine well, they use uh, blood thinner, don't they? They use uh, um, that stuff they give old ladies uh, and old men. Um, uh, it's a blood thinner. Anyway, 
our topic. So we've got our crystal out of the way, got our prayers. Man, we have about 40 minutes left. That's, oh, man, we're we're on track. At, you know, after 220 shows, you get this down, even though I mess around with it a lot. Um, we've been, uh, just for reasons absolutely of my own, um, which means there's no reason to it whatsoever, we've been dwelling on um, a Buddhism, and I find that the equanimity that comes from a meditative practice and dwelling on the teachings of uh, wise, the wise people such as Buddha helps during times like this, um, as do some really good drugs, but that's another story altogether. And uh, But there are a lot of people, uh, I notice when I read about uh, people who've looked at Buddhism uh, on the internet and in other discussion, there's some people who believe that Buddhism is very hard. Um, it's lofty and uh, 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 so uh, difficult and so and, and so complicated a system that it can't be practiced by ordinary people in, in this uh, complicated world of ours. And it's necessary to retire uh, to a monastery or go out in the forest or live in a cave if one desires to be a true Buddhist. And, of course, what we're doing is comparing ourselves to people like Milarepa, um, the Buddha himself, uh, Gandhi, um, you know, the great sages. And, you know, these are the, um, uh, the best of the best. These are the superheroes of spiritual existence. And very few of us will ever achieve such spirituality. And that's a very sad misconception um, because – uh, there's a lack of understanding of how the Buddha taught, um, and um, uh, people run to these conclusions because they read something that someone else wrote about Buddhism who only has a partial understanding of it or who is professing to be an expert on it, and they have a lopsided view of it. Um, and sometimes people make it more complex or more lofty than than it really is. And the Buddha's teaching was never meant um, to be for monks only or for those who um, have the the renun- life of renunciation only, but also for ordinary people living at home with their families. And the the noble eightfold path which is the Buddhist way of life, is meant for everyone without distinction of any kind. So the vast majority of people in the world can't become a monk or retire into caves or dwell in forests meditating under trees. It's not possible. It's just not possible. It's not practical. And <clears throat> however noble and lofty and pure ideally Buddhism can be, It'd be useless to the masses of mankind. They couldn't follow it in their daily life. If it was not applicable to the daily situations we find ourselves in all the time, right? It, it, it wouldn't. It'd be useless. It would be only for the uh, one tenth of one millionth of one percent of people who who have a calling to monkhood and renunciation it'd be useless for everybody else and that's not the case it's this these teachings are applicable to anybody and everybody Um, but sometimes there's a resistance to it there's this idea when you you talk about the eightfold path it's like well you know i can't do that 
Um, but if you understand the spirit of Buddhism correctly, you get the gist of it, the flavor of it, uh, not just the letter of it. You know, when you read it, you go, oh, man, this is tough. But the spirit of it, you find it makes life simpler. You can surely follow and practice it while living the life of an ordinary person. And, you know, the idea is not to split the hairs too fine, as people tend to do, especially on the Internet. And um, uh, when I was a moderator on eSanga, which was uh, – oh, how we miss eSanga. It was the world's largest Internet multi-denominational Buddhist internet community. It was a beautiful thing, a beautiful thing. And I was a moderator for several years. Um, I moderated uh, the general site, and I was also one of the two moderators on the vegetarian website. And uh, man, was that like herding cats. Um, the uh, omnivores versus the vegetarians and the vegans. The vegans versus the vegetarians, even, believe it or not. So um, bitter battles, bitter battles. And these are Buddhists, right? So um, <clears throat> we'd get people to say, where can I buy uh, a Buddhist robe? I'm, I'm converting to Buddhism. Where can I buy a robe? It's, why do you want a robe? Are you joining a monastery? No, but I'm becoming a Buddhist, so don't I have to wear the robe? No, <laughs> you don't. <laughs> and people say, how do I officially convert to Buddhism? Well, you uh, you practice the precepts. Well, don't I have to take a vow or go officially join a church? Or No, no, you don't. You uh, Essentially, you, uh, you accept the three gems. Uh, you uh, you say I accept the uh, um, the Dharma, the uh, the Sangha, um, and uh, the Buddha, and uh, um, you, you know you don't you don't have to go to a holy spot or anything. That's not how it works. You're not um, um, uh, sanctified or uh, baptized or um, um, uh, embraced into a Community, you you just that's the difference. The Buddhism is a series of exercises and practices designed to liberate you from the causes and conditions of suffering. You see, it's not a organized religion. It's not a formal religion. It's not a religion at all, really. Although, and this is what I want to tell you, um, it is accepted and known that there are religious elements that are practiced. In many countries that satisfy the need for lay people to express themselves religiously, which is why you see temples with Buddha statues and people will offer make offerings and pray that's not boot that's not Buddhism that is it's just known that there are there are needs for people who have not advanced far along the Buddhist path. To express themselves that way, and oh my goodness, do people fight? They go, well, isn't it hypocritical to encourage that sort of thing? No, it really isn't. It's a part of what's called expedient means or skillful means, which we'll discuss at some other time, because it's necessary. It's necessary for many people to express a religiosity at a certain point along a path of development, and then later on, as they become more familiar with um, the teachings and the practices, they no longer cling to religious rites and rituals. And this is one of the things Buddha talks about that we cling to. 
and it's one of the more pernicious clinging of ego to rites and rituals, not just religious rites and rituals, but rites and rituals of any sort. And we have a lot of rites and rituals that we go through day, on a daily basis. So <clears throat> most people can't turn to a monk. Most people can't retire to forests. So um, now there are some people who have that kind of calling. They find it easier and more convenient and more comfortable to accept Buddhism if they do live in a remote place. If they can cut themselves off, they're naturally uh, they're naturally hermits. Um, some find that kind of retirement dull and depressing. Uh, the idea of spending a lot of time by themselves. Now I could do it. You know, I I really can. I can spend days by myself. That would drive some people crazy. I used to take one week off a year, usually in February, and uh, rent a cabin in the mountains and do nothing that entire week. You know, I'm serious. I would do nothing. I would do nothing. Um, occasionally, I would listen to some music, but I would do nothing. And I, I took my good wife with me once on one of those, and it made her crazy. She had to do some – every day we had to go into town and shop or walk around or uh, go to a restaurant. Um, she was not good at doing nothing, and uh, I'm very comfortable being by myself with myself for long periods of time. And uh, that's why Buddhism was so good for me. When I first found it when I was a teenager, I thought, oh, yeah, this is like coming home. And um, so true renunciation – does not mean running away physically from the world. And uh, Buddha's uh, right-hand man, um, Sariputta, who was the chief disciple of the Buddha, said that one man might live in a forest devoting himself to the most ascetic of practices, but he might be full of all kinds of impure thoughts and what are called defilements. And a second man might live in a village or a town living the life of a layman, practicing no ascetic disciplines, but his mind might be pure and free from these defilements. Of these two, uh, Sariputta pointed out, the one who lives the pure life in the village is definitely far more advanced spiritually and, and far greater than the one who lives in the forest as an ascetic with a mind filled with uh, impurities. So this this kind of common belief that to follow um, Buddha's teachings, one has to retire, one has to take a robe, one has to um, eat nothing after noon, one has to sleep on the hard bed, um, is a misconception. And it's really um, – when you get down to it, it's it's a defense against practicing it. It's a resistance. Um, there are numerous references in uh, even the the pop Buddhist literature to um, both men and women living ordinary, normal family lives who successfully practiced what the Buddha taught and not only practiced it, but not being monks of the Sangha, they realized nirvana. Ordinary men and women with families realized nirvana. Um, Vachagata, the Wanderer, um, who was uh, he was kind of a comical figure. He's the one who asked, uh, um, uh, "Is there a soul?" Buddha wouldn't answer. Is there not a soul? Buddha wouldn't answer. 
is there not a soul and a soul? Buddha wouldn't answer, and he walked away, and Ananda said, why didn't you answer? And he said, well, if I had said there's a soul, I would have aligned myself with those who teach um, uh, that there's a permanent soul that survives death. And if I'd said there wasn't, I would have aligned myself with the annihilationists, and I don't do, teach that either. And if I had answered um, him in any way, Vajrakota would be even more confused and think, well, that means – well, then does the soul that I – Used to ha- that I never had uh, exist or not exist, or maybe the soul that I that I once had no longer exists. And it's really kind of funny. It's a funny story. Um, you know, it shows the Buddha had a sense of humor. Um, so, um, so um, uh, Vasugana once asked the Buddha straightforwardly whether there were laymen and lay women leading the family life who followed his teaching successfully. And attained the very high spiritual states, and the Buddha this time actually answered his question, and he stated that there were not one, not two, not a hundred or two hundred or five hundred, but many, many more than that, lay, laymen and women leading the family life who followed his teaching successfully, and attained the high spiritual states. And I'll tell you, once on Isanga, there was a fellow, um, and he was confined to a wheelchair, and he was a very pleasant and even-tempered. Fellow, his equanimity was um, well developed, very even keeled, and he partook in all the conversations. No, he never rose to bait. You know, people would sometimes uh, challenge him, and he discussed everything evenly. And uh, I just loved this guy. And then one time he said, "I just want to announce that I will not be returning." to discussion anymore. I have achieved the goal. I have become a stream enterer, and I wanted to tell you that it's not as hard as you might think, and I wish you well on the quest. And he was immediately attacked by skeptics, but he was gone by then. He was like, well, I don't believe you. I don't think you did. If you did, you would. He was immediately gone, and I and some of the other moderators said, uh, uh, do you think Peter achieved the goal? And someone said, um, I, I don't think – and I said, I think he did, and I think he left us that message to encourage us. I think he did. I think he did enter the stream. I think he did become uh, a stream enterer. And uh, one of the guys who eventually attacked the rest of us uh, – he said those, he attacked the Theravadans. He said we were Hinyana, um, and, and he he actually split the Sangha. He split the moderator Sangha, he, and he attacked some bhikkhus too. But he said he said I think he's a fraud, and um, and I said well you know, I respectfully disagree. I think that he did enter the stream. I think he became a stream enterer, and uh, and um, but. Um, because I've met in, in my uh, practice and in my wanderings, uh, I have met stream enterers. I've met people who've entered the stream. That's, there's, there's five – in Theravada Buddhism, there's five levels of enlightenment, and the first is stream entry. Um, this means that you have um, freed yourself of the delusions of ego, notions of self, um, and um, you, will not, you can't go back. Uh, when you When you – this means you have no no more than five returns before you you, you achieve nirvana, and um, 
you you know were you to die today, there's no more than five returns, but you can also advance to um, the other the other states. But I believe he did enter the stream. Um, so so um, so you might ask yourself if if a person can follow. Oh, they talked about this guy for years too. I'd be in the Buddhist chat, and they would say, "Well, what about that guy?" That, and I would say, "I believe he did." And they would try to argue with me about it. Well, why do why do you think so? What's your proof? What's your evidence? And I say, you know, the skeptical doubt that you have is one of the things that Buddha listed as a hindrance. And why don't you try to think of reasons why maybe he did, instead of why he didn't? You know, and, and follow. Follow that trail. You know well, what? What did Peter do that the rest of us could do? And um, oh well. But so, if you can follow Buddhism while living the life of an ordinary layman, why was there a sangha? <laughs> why these monasteries? The order of monks. Why did he do it? Well, these sanghas, this order of monks, which you know the Catholic Church um, imitated the Buddhist universities. Did you know that? the the Catholic Church, um, their monasteries were based on the Buddhist universities that spread around the world. Um, the rosary beads were based on the malas um, that uh, the Buddhist monks had, and uh, they they kind of built it on the the, the order of the monks. Um, so this order provides a sheltered opportunity and a focused opportunity. For those who are willing to devote their entire lives, not only to their own spiritual and intellectual development, but also to the service of others. And an ordinary person, an ordinary layman uh, with a family can't do that. He can't be expected to devote his whole life to the service of others. Um, whereas a monk who has no family responsibilities, right, um, or any other worldly ties is in a position to devote his entire life for the good of the many, and for the happiness of the many, which is what the Buddha's advice is. And uh, that's how in the course of history, the Buddhist monastery became not only a spiritual center, but a center of learning and culture, and often met, uh, the medical center. Um, in many Buddhist countries, that is the center of learning, of uh, spiritual development, of culture, and where you go, uh, you know, if you if you get stung by a wasp, uh, so, um, so, um, Buddha uh, listed um, the types of responsibilities um, laymen should have toward various people. Um, uh, in a very, uh, I have a very long sutra here. Um, it's called the Sagala Sutta because um, a young a young man named Sagala uh, used to worship the six cardinal points of the heaven: east, south, west, north, the nadir, and the zenith. And uh, because his dying father told him to do that, it was a, uh, a practice of the Brahmins. Buddha told him that in the noble discipline, the six directions were different. According to the noble discipline, the six directions were parents, teachers, wife and children, friends, relatives, and neighbors, servants, workers, and employees, and religious men. And he said one should worship these six directions. And the word worship is very significant. For one worships something sacred, 
something worthy of honor and respect. And so these six family and social groups mentioned above are treated in Buddhism as sacred, worthy of respect and worship. But how do you worship them, right? So the Buddha says that one should worship them only by performing one's duties toward them. And he explains them in great detail in the Sutta. Um, he said, first, parents are sacred to their children. He said, parents are called Brahma. And the term Brahma denotes the highest and most sacred conception in Indian thought. And in it, the Buddha includes parents. So in good Buddhist families at the present time, children literally worship their parents every day, morning and evening. And they have to perform certain duties for their parents according to the noble discipline. They should look after their parents in their old age, should do whatever they have to do on their behalf, should maintain the honor of the family and continue the family tradition, should protect the wealth earned by their parents, and perform their funeral rites after their death. And parents, in their turn, have certain responsibility toward their children. They should keep their children away from evil courses, should engage them in good and profitable activities, should give them a good education, should marry them into good families, and should hand over the property to them in due course. The second, the relation between teacher and pupil. A pupil should respect and be obedient to his teacher, should attend to his needs of any, should study earnestly. And the teacher, in his turn, should train and shape his pupil properly, should teach him well, should introduce him to his friends, and should try to procure him security or employment when his education is over. And the third direction, the relation between husband and wife. Love between husband and wife is considered almost religious or sacred. It's called Sadara Brahmakayara, sacred family life. And oh, how these things have degraded and decayed in our society. Oh, my goodness. And here, too, the significance of the term Brahma should be noted. The highest respect is given to this relationship. Wives and husbands should be faithful, respectful, and devoted to each other, and they have certain duties toward each other. The husband should always honor his wife and never be wanting in respect to her. You understand this is 3,000 years ago? This is 3,000 years ago Buddha was laying this out. Um, and they, they have cert the husband should always honor his wife, never be wanting in respect to her. He should love her and be faithful to her, should secure her position and comfort, and should please her by presenting her with clothing and jewelry. And this is, this is very good because of the fact that the Buddha did not forget to mention <laughs> even the very gifts, right? That a husband should make to his wife shows how understanding he was. This man who walked away from untold luxury to live in utter poverty, all the Buddha owned in his entire life as a recluse was a straw mat, a robe, and a bowl. That's all he owned. He walked away from everything else, but he understood. And of course, you know, he walked away from his wife and all women, but he understood that a husband should please his wife by understanding her needs and, and and showing his love for her by giving her gifts. Now, if you don't think this is a small thing, I have clients call me all the time, and of course, there are men involved with narcissist women, right? But 
easily 90% of the people that call me with love problems are women, and they have these men. And I said, and I asked him, what does he do to show his love for you? Well, you know, I, I cook for him and I clean. What does he do for you? Well, you know, he tries. This is what I hear. He tries. So does he ever give you any presents? Well, you know, he doesn't. Uh, he doesn't think about things like that. He's got a lot on his mind, so he, he doesn't ever give you anything, no presents. He doesn't surprise you with a thoughtful gesture of any sort. Well, no, but, you know, I know he loves me. Well, how do you know he loves you? Does he ever say he loves you? Well, you know, he, he, he had a hard life. He's got a lot on his mind, but how, does he, how do you know he loves See, this is a big thing. And, okay, so, well, he doesn't have a lot of money, you know, you know. He could give you an apple, right? He could give you an apple. He could just find a flower on the side of the road and give it to you. Does he ever think about this? This is a big thing, and the Buddha knew this. And the wife, in her turn, should supervise and look after household affairs, should entertain guests, visitors, friends, relatives, and employees, should love and be faithful to her husband, should protect his earnings, should be clever and energetic in all activities. And, of course, yes, this is old-fashioned. This is 3,000 years ago, but the rule applies. <coughs> the rules apply. Maybe the husband is the one that do, does this, but the rules apply. Pay attention. Pay attention. Pay attention. Honor and pay attention. Fourth, the relation between friends, relatives, and neighbors. They should be hospitable and charitable to one another, should speak pleasantly and agreeably, should work for each other's welfare, should be on equal terms with one another, should not quarrel among themselves, should help each other in need, and should not forsake each other in difficulty. How hard is this to understand 3,000 years ago? How hard is this to understand? Fifth, the relation between master and servant. The master or the employer has several obligations toward his servant or his employee. Work should be assigned according to ability and capacity. Adequate wages should be paid. Medical needs should be provided 3,000 years ago. Occasional donations or bonuses should be granted. The servant or employee in his turn should be diligent and not lazy, honest and obedient, and not cheat his master. He should be earnest in his work. Or now people uh, – socialism, socialism. Six, the relation between the religious, that is to say recluses and Brahmanas, etc., and the laity. Lay people should look after the material needs of the religious with love and respect, and the religious with a loving heart should impart knowledge and learning to the laity and lead them along the good path away from evil. Different. This is different from the – Money-grubbing evangelists that give you vague, weird things and ask for money in return, it's different. Remember, the religious people of this time hadn't learned about that kind of – well, maybe some of them did. Maybe some of them did, but these were people who were the repository of knowledge. Uh, in the day of the Buddha, there was not written um, – Passage of information that was considered um, um, deceitful uh, in Asia. It was orally transmitted through the use of mnemonics, and the Pali language was developed especially for mnemonics. And I had discussions. Well, the people, well, you know how memory is. Well, no, not when it's designed um, to be uh, mnemonically passed by. And there were whole thousands of. Uh, 
monks whose job was to transmit a specific uh, passage or bit of passage. And every year they would get together and compare notes to make sure that there had been no drifting. And this went on for 500 years until the um, the suttas were committed to writing by uh, in Sri Lanka by uh, King Ashoka, I think. Um, but people said, well, you know, you can't commit that to memory. But um, 25 years ago, um, uh, Fra Dominando, I think, what was his name? But anyway, he committed the entire um, – middle-length discourses of the Buddha flawlessly uh, to memory in Pali because the Pali language is uh, designed to, for mnemonics. So um, so in this um, Samyutta Nikaya, one of the very oldest Pali texts, um, um, it, it said that Saka, who is the king of the gods, the very highest of the gods declares that he worships not only the monks who live a virtuous holy life, but also lay disciples who perform meritorious deeds who are virtuous and maintains their families righteously. So if one decides that they want to become a Buddhist, there's no initiation, there's no baptism, but to become a bhikkhu, a member of the order of the Sangha, one does have to undergo a long process of training and education. And if one understands the Buddha's teachings, and if one's convinced that his teachings is the right path, and if one tries to follow it, then you're a Buddhist. You know, and don't listen to uh, uh, self-important pundits that try to say, "Well, you're not a true Buddhist because you do this," and you'll find a lot of those. You know, so what is a true Buddhist? Uh, and uh, is it conventional truth or is it ultimate truth? You know, I, those conversations lead you nowhere. Um, if if you understand the Buddhist teaching, because, because you know, you'll find um, vegans often will say, "Well, you eat meat, you're not a true Buddhist." You know, you'll, you'll find codicils like that. You know, well, if you get mad, you're not a true Buddhist. And you know, this is this is. Um, this is bullying. I consider it bullying. Trying to force a belief on someone like that is it's bullying. Um, <clears throat> now, if you understand the teaching and you're convinced, uh, there's a um, a type of conviction that 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 comes over you um, uh, that the teaching is the is is the right path, and you try to follow it. Uh, then you're a Buddhist because the uh, precepts are not laws, they're guidelines. And when you take them, you say, I undertake the precept to follow right speech. I undertake the precept to not kill unnecessarily. And do, do you see what you say? You say you don't say, I vow not to do this. I mean, that's ridiculous. Um, you'll, you'll set yourself up. Um, nor is it like thou shalt not do this. I mean, you're setting yourself for standards that you're going to fail. Thou shalt not do this. You're going to fail. I undertake the precept to not take anything that is not freely given. And that's a big difference between, you know, I won't steal 
I want you to think about that. Undertake the precept to not accept anything that's not – not take anything or accept anything that's not freely offered. That's a big difference between not stealing anything. You know, you think about that. And uh, I undertake the precept to avoid um, uh, sexual misconduct. You know, I undertake the precept, you know, which means I'm going to do my very best to be mindful of these things. And all the precepts are about mindfulness. They're about mindfulness. Watch yourself. So you do this. You're a Buddhist, and, and really there's no such thing as a Buddhist. Um, the word Buddhist came out when Westerners um, started studying the Dharma, and um, they um, needed a word for it. You know, what is this collection of teachings? Well, it's Buddhism because you know we have Hinduism, we have Sikhism, you know, we have – got to call it something. And um, so it was very interesting because um, – um, there was really no – nobody ever went around and called himself a Buddhist. They, uh, <laughs> there was never any uh, any word for that. Um, um, there was um, – uh, it was um, – um, there um, – there's uh, a couple of words that you may or may not have heard, uh, upasaka and upasika. And um, an upasaka uh, is what most people used uh, in India. Um, upasaka means um, follower or attendant, and that's the title of followers of Buddhism who are not monks, nuns, or novice monastics. And they undertake certain vows. Um, like uh, the five precepts or uh, sometimes 12 precepts. And um, it's a lay devotee of Buddhism. Uh, the Upasaka uh, is usually a male. The Upasika is a female um, person who takes the vows. And there's usually more um, uh, more vows in the five. Um, the, um, the five vows are – I will not take – I undertake the precept to not take the life of a sent to not unnecessarily take the life of a sentient being. Um, I will not knowingly take what has not been given to me. I will refrain from sexual misconduct. I will refrain from uh, false speech, and I will refrain from intoxicants that will lead to unmindful behavior. And there's still, you know, there's still uh, splitting about that. I was talking one time about, uh, you know, those of you who see me on Facebook, you know, I drink a lot of coffee. And somebody said, well, how can you call yourself a Buddhist if you drink intoxicants like caffeine? You know, you know this is the kind of, there are people that wait for that sort of thing. And, uh, um, and uh, I, asked, I said, so are you a Buddhist? Well, no, but how can, I said, okay, so if you're not a practitioner of Dharma, I cannot have a discussion with you about Dharma because you don't. We don't speak the same language. And uh, well, he says, "Well, I just want to know how you justify." I said, "In Buddhism, we don't justify things, so you know that's that's what Buddha would call a wrong question." So anyway, we um, um, you see, you you often find yourself tested by by karma. Now, I'm going to tell you that. Uh, the 
Upasakas often take the um, the eight um, the eight precepts um, um, which involve you don't sleep on a high bed. That means you sleep on a um, mat on the floor. You don't uh, seek entertainment. You know, like television plays music. Um, you don't use cosmetics, and unfortunately, cosmetics also mean like deodorant. Um, and um, so, these are often uh, by upasakas done on the um, taken on the uh, uposatha days, which are sometimes practiced on the weekend. Um, most often practiced on the day of the full moon every month and always practiced on uh, the Buddha's birthday, which is the full, first full moon in May. So um, <clears throat> you also don't eat afternoon. You, you, you take all your meals before noon. So um, if you follow these precepts, um, you were called uh, Upasaka. And uh, if you didn't you you said you so well I follow the Dharma I follow the Eightfold Path I follow no one no one had used the word Buddhism until um, you know like the 19th century um, but there's no initiation but um, you um, it's uh, to the uh, anyway there's an age old tradition in most Buddhist countries one is considered a Buddhist if you take the Buddha the Dharma and the Sangha um, as your refuge. And you observe the five precepts, so that's that's the minimum moral obligations. Um, it's called the triple gem: the Dharma, the Buddha, and the Sangha. That's your refuge, and the five precepts: not to destroy life, not to steal, not to commit adultery, not to tell lies, not to take intoxications, and uh, no no rites or ceremonies, no ex, no externals. Your life becomes your ceremonies, so. Um, that's um, all we have time for this week. Once again, um, we have wasted another hour. Um, so we'll, t we'll come back next week, probably come back next week. So we will see you again. As you know, the Reverend loves you. This has been the Crystal Silence League Hour. Heard exclusively on the LMC Radio Network. Join us next time for spiritual fellowship and discussion of spirituality, prayer, and advice on the practical use of crystals. It's been 30 days since the county bought it up a window and took the kids away. A simple life disappeared on tiptoe. I'm talking to a maid. Tomorrow's past and present mysteries Even Eastern bands Cherokee Rich with family history The shepherds The church of divine harmony Serving lost lambs of Knoxville, Tennessee Faith Praise with the crystal silence league. Reverend St. Germain.
Jack, he feeds at night play, hanging from a chain. He sealed his hair in wax and wound it tightly. Sweet with white cologne, clearing paths with sandalwood and chicory, decorating homes with babies for a strong instead of victory. The church of divine harmony Serving the law lands of Knoxville, Tennessee He faithfully prays with the crystal Silent League I'll tell it to you plain Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.